Hey, teacups. Welcome to the Tea with Tish podcast. I'm your amazingly amazing host, Tish, and this is episode number three. So thank you all for rocking with me this far. Um, There's a lot of cool things that we have coming up ahead. For this episode, I thought that it was important to talk about different co-parenting styles. Although a lot of us are co-parenting with somebody, if not the entire world. So I thought that it was important to discuss this topic and to shed a little light on it and to get some feedback. So the three co-parenting styles that I have researched are parallel co-parenting, conflicted co-parenting, and cooperative co-parenting. Although none of us wants conflict with the yelling and the screaming or um, more so the keep away game with your child or your children, many parents face this type for whatever reason. The parallel co-parenting part of it is said to be the most common form. This is where the parents don't argue but also don't communicate well. This form can usually create inconsistency for the child or children and that can destroy the security and comfort for your child or children as well. And we never want to damage our children because of the way that each parent handles each other, whether it's in front of the child or, you know, behind the child. Um, Conflicted co-parenting involves a lot of craziness post-divorce or um, in a breakup amongst couples. The simple lack of either party willing to cooperate when it comes to visiting, weekend pickups, drop-off schedules, um, meeting locations, and so forth can really, really be toxic in the regard of co-parenting. I know that a lot of times we don't agree with each other. We may dislike one another for whatever reason, but once that rolls off into your specific role of parenting, it can be damaging to say the least. So finally, we have the co- the cooperative co-parenting, excuse me, which is more peaceful and it's the highest mature standard of co-parenting. This is when parents can work together to plan and coordinate the children's lives, create a healthy balance and a higher level of positive communication amongst the two people. So typically in this particular form of co-parenting, both parties are avoiding drama at all costs, and it's the best way to <clears throat> to go and to keep your your hair from hurting. <laughs> and I have to take a pause because a lot of times when you are able to coincide in one room, in the same space, or even on the phone, it feels so much better than your head, literally feeling like it could fall off your shoulders. I know that it can be really intense co-parenting, especially when there is bitterness, sourness, or there's still feelings involved. And most of the time we take that to heart. So it clouds our judgment and it clouds our desire to really be effective co-parents. But in this particular form, I think it can definitely enhance the relationship of both parents just by being able to talk no yelling, no screaming. You don't necessarily have to agree with each other, but you do try to come to a medium um, because you have a child to raise. So grade A cooperating is really the goal, but how do you achieve that level when dealing with an ex that may not be as mature or fair in this process? 
Like, what do you do? I need to know, how do you successfully co-parent with someone that's not willing to change? Um, You always have to have a mediator or somebody like your mom or your sister, your cousin, maybe even your best friend that both of you are usually cool with. And you may have to have them communicate on your behalf just because the other parent may be uncontrollable, um, belligerent, and just need somebody to calm him or her down. What do you do in a situation like that when you just have someone that you have to deal with? I mean, let's be, let's be honest. You have a child that you have to communicate about and create this safe haven and co-parenting plan that's solid until your child is 18. Most of the time, if your child is going through school, end up going to college or whatever, you still have to talk to them in some form or fashion. And on another note, you may always have to say a couple words to them just because this child is never not going to be a part of both of you, even when they become adults. You know what I'm saying? So at a point or another, you're going to always have to deal with this other person. Maybe not as much the older your child gets, but at some point you're going to have to form an alliance and still have... Um, some line that you still have to meet up and be able to communicate. So even when you become grandparents, you may have to talk to each other. Again, not often at all, but you may still have to be cordial in a way where there's no funk. I mean, there's going to always be a point where you have to be subtle with each other. So I just want to know, Based on your personal situations, which co-parenting style would you feel like you identify more with? Would you say parallel co-parenting? Is it more conflicted co-parenting? Or is it really extremely the best method of cooperative co-parenting? I really want to know because I've seen a lot of parents in action where they can't be in the same room. It's hard for the mother to go pick up her son or daughter from the in-laws, ex-in-laws, if you will, if we must get technical, from the previous sister-in-law, brother-in-law, whatever. Um, It's really hard sometimes to even deal with the family on that aspect. Like, your in-laws should never be sucked into whatever you and the other parent has going on because they didn't create the child you two did but once it get too intense i think that everybody becomes a casualty so i really want to know what are your thoughts how do you co-parent with somebody that's really hard to co-parent with like what is your what's your current status with your ex are you able to talk calmly? Do y'all suwo when y'all see each other? Do y'all like, <laughs> I mean, what is it like? Do you roll your eyes at him or her? Or do you throw a peace sign and her even get in your car? Or is it just really love? Like, hey, you know, how you doing? Hope you good. I'm good. Cool. Everybody's good. Or is it just that thing where you're up and down, up and down, like you teetering every time y'all see each other, you never know what the energy will be like. Now, keep in mind, sometimes you might have to be the bigger person. 
you know, you want to display maturity in front of your children. Because the worst thing you can do is act a complete donkey in front of your daughter or your son. Because they don't forget things like that. And I really think that it's sad in a lot of circumstances when you just cannot see eye to eye. Matter of fact, to be clear, every circumstance when you can't see eye to eye. We've all been through parts where you don't want to be in the same room with a specific somebody, but just keeping it funky, you might have to. So whatever feelings you're harboring with that other person, you have to knock it off just to peacefully co-parent. And then you might have to, you know, look in the mirror and get into it with yourself. Like, why choose him? Why choose her? Get that five-minute funk out the way in the mirror. And just chop it up for what it is because that was your choice to deal with this person. And because you have to continue to deal with this person, taking a stride. I mean, what else you gonna do? You know, so again, I definitely want to hear from you. Give me some feedback. And if you can, at the end of every future episode, if you can complete the Q&A section, I need you to review it. You know, go ahead and write. Tell me how you thought this episode went or any future episodes. I really look forward to the feedback. I want to make sure that the topic that was discussed was, how do I want to say it? Not really interesting enough, but if it touched on somebody, if it resonated with somebody, is this what you wanted to hear? Is this what you wanted to talk about? Um, I mean, anything that you want to share, I'm definitely all ears. Like I said, The topics that I come up with are things that I know a lot of people can identify with. And I know that it's somebody somewhere going through this, whether it's the real good or the real ugly. Somebody needs to hear it or somebody needs a place to vent. So why not hear? So with that said, um, I do look forward to just seeing what you all have to say because it's important. So At this time, I definitely, again, as usual, want to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. And until next time, keep your teacups empty for your next refill of new tea. Blessings. See you again soon. Hey, teacups. Welcome to the Tea with Tish podcast. I'm your amazingly amazing host, Tish. And today, I wanted to discuss a very serious topic with all of my teacups out there, my female audience, obviously. And this episode is to discuss mammograms and breast cancer. Um, I felt that it was an important topic that I have shied away from, but one of my cousins found out that she had breast cancer and I was informed via text um, about a month or so ago on a Wednesday to be exact and I almost ran off the road. I didn't believe that I read what I read so I, I don't think I picked my phone up again until I got home and I was able to sit down reread the text, read all the information that came along with the text, and 
you know, was able to get into an element where I could shut the world off and really try to process the information that I was just given. It hurt a lot to find that out, but I knew in that moment that I had to be strong for her. And I took a I took a pledge for that. I meant that I was gonna be there anytime she need me all the time, which was the dynamic between she and I before this this thing became a part of our lives. Um, And so what I did was I scheduled my breast exam because I am 41. I've never had my mammogram yet. And this really gave me the push that I needed. Even though there's no history of breast cancer, in my family, I still felt that it was important. And like I said, this just gave me the push that I needed. And the information that I've researched and took note of, I want to share with you. And I always make sure that if there's anything political or anything, any findings regarding women's health, that I always cite my sources because I never want to pass any information such as this off as my own um, or anything like that. So I will share that website at the end of the episode. Um, So just a little bit about mammograms. Mammograms are a crucial tool in breast cancer screening prevention and early detection, particularly for women above the age of 40, which again, I'm 41 now. A mammogram is basically an x-ray of the breast that can help identify breast cancer in its early stages, often before physical symptoms develop. These screenings are vital for women at the age of 40 as the risk of breast cancer increases with age. Regular mammograms can significantly improve the chances of detection in early stages when it's most treatable. Um, So, After, like I said, doing further research, I was able to find out what, you know, what steps to take before the mammogram, um, the process during the mammogram and things like that, from scheduling the appointment to actually going through the process. Um, I did not know that breast cancer can affect women as early as 25 and that really that really got to me because you would think that possibly it would be an older woman um, possibly that there would be a strong history of breast cancer within the family but no it doesn't have to be not necessarily um and this information that I discovered has come from oakstreethealth.com, which I said I was going to name later after the episode, but I figured to just go ahead and throw that out there now. Um, and I just, I don't know, this is just one of the hardest, hardest topics, like cancer period is hard to talk about. I had a girlfriend of mine some years back that was suddenly diagnosed with leukemia and just to watch her go through that fight and have children and my godson and 
that was hard for me, just from beginning to end. And by the grace of God, she's in remission. So amen to that, because a lot of people don't make it to remission. A lot of people lose their fight. They lose their battle, unfortunately. And for anybody that has lost a loved one due to cancer, my prayers go out. Um, you just can't, you can't offer enough condolences when someone loses a loved one. So it's, it's a very sensitive subject, any type of cancer, you know, um, I just want you all to remember that regular mammograms are, um, an invaluable tool in detecting breast cancer. And I want you all to, if you're behind on getting your mammogram, just go ahead and do it, you know, just for that peace of mind, just as a regular part of women's health. Because every year we get physicals, we get, you know, the breast um, exam that comes along with your physical with your physician every year. But going that extra step to get your mammogram would really provide a peace of mind. I know that it will for me. Like I said, even though there's no history of breast cancer in my family, it would definitely just give me that peace knowing that, okay, we can rule that out. Not even a possibility with everything else that us women go through physically after having children and things like that, because your body definitely changes after you've had kids, whether instantly or over the years, just over time, it does change. Um, and so the one breast cancer that I wanted to bring to the forefront was metastatic breast cancer. And there are multiple stages of breast cancer, which most of us already know, ranging from zero to four. And this is when breast cancer progresses to stage three or four, it becomes advanced breast cancer. In stage three breast cancer, the cancer has not yet spread um, to distant sites throughout the body, but it has spread beyond the breast and into nearby lymph nodes and muscles. So just a few facts about um, metastatic breast cancer, and this is in relation to premenopausal women. It is estimated that as of January 2017, more than 20,000 women with metastatic breast cancer in the United States were younger than 50. I didn't know that until I started doing massive research based on um, my cousin's new diagnosis. And the frequency of metastatic breast cancer in women under 40 years old has increased over the last 30 years. And also, Nearly 80% of young women diagnosed with breast cancer find abnormal changes in their breasts themselves. So they do say that it's very important to do your own self-exams at home. If you don't know how to properly do those, you can definitely ask your physician. They'll show you how. They'll go through it with you. That way you won't miss any parts of the breast when you are trying to, you know, do your, your self exams at home. Um, metastatic breast cancer can occur five, 10, or even 15 years after an early stage diagnosis. So I definitely recommend taking this part of your health seriously and getting the mammogram, getting that screening and just ruling out, you know, any signs of abnormalities because, 
I mean, there are some women that have cysts, but are benign. And like I said, it's a scary thing when you feel like something's wrong, but you don't want to get it checked out because you feel like if I do get it checked out, it's going to be bad. It doesn't always have to be. Like I said, there are some benign cysts that, you know, may form in the breast that does not, you know, necessarily scream breast cancer. So either way, it's just to be in the know. And I'd like to know how many of you have had a mammogram. You know, what age were you when you had your first one? Have you had mammograms on routine since your first one? You know, that's really something good to share. I think I'm always trying to find episodes and topics that are not just fun facts, but the need to know also. Because like I said, I did not anticipate getting that news, you know, and it's been devastating for her, you know, her two small kids, um, her, her partner, you know, I'm sure that it's, it's, it's taking a toll on a lot of people that love her, but you know, she's a fighter and we're fighting for her and prayer changes things. I don't know how many people in the world believe in God, but he is such a powerful source. So anything that you think or feel like you cannot handle, take it to him. And I do feel that the sense of remission is going to come upon her. I know that she's too strong for it not to. And because we are so, um, we are so faithful to God, you know, I know that, I know that everything will be all right. I just, you know, I tried to shy away from such a topic, but I feel like it's more women than we know that are scared right now that have been diagnosed and just don't really know how to share it. Um, They don't know how to have the conversation. And like we all being human, once something leaves your mouth and you put it in the atmosphere, that makes it a reality. So anybody that's going through such a diagnosis, hearing it from your doctor is one thing, but also speaking it out loud, that just kind of confirms that something's going on. And I just, I don't think a lot of women know how to deal with it. I know a lot of women don't know how to deal with that because I would be mortified and afraid you know, to be honest, and you need a village. You need your friends, you need your family, you need all the love that your heart and hands can hold when you're going through something so traumatic, going through the physical changes, just watching yourself change, you know. But like I said, God is real, and he can do all things. So just keeping the faith and just making sure that you take care of yourself, any warning signs, whatever it may be. Um, Just make sure that you follow up, follow through and get the mammograms, get them routinely. Um, It doesn't mean that you 
know for a fact that something's wrong. It's just taking a double, a double look, just doing a double check. That's all that means. So I definitely want you ladies to take your health seriously. Make it a priority. And if you have not had a mammogram yet and you are 40 or older, please get one. If you are younger than 40 and you feel like something's going on or um, your breast may feel abnormal or different than usual, make the appointment. You know, check in with your doctor. Be very transparent. Be very open and just have the exam because you'll feel a lot better once you do. And if it turns that there's a situation that your friends and family just have to band together, it is what it is because we have to we have to anticipate getting through that together. I mean, because it is something so massive that it takes more than you know, just coasting into it. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of spirituality, you know. So that is definitely what I wanted to put out there in the atmosphere. And, um, you know, like I said, just read up on it, do your own research and get tested if you need to. You know, get the mammogram because you'll feel a lot better. I know that, like I said, my appointment isn't until January, but once I do, I know I'll feel a lot better just to say I did it because I am a year a year late, in my opinion. I should have done it right when I turned 40, but because there's no history, I felt like there was no rush. But with this happening to my close loved one, I feel like it's no time better than the present. So at the end, there will be a Q&A section. I will post a question and I want honest responses, you know, and it's just the need to know. It's just the transparency. It's just to have that honesty, just to say, hey, I haven't done it, but I'm going to do it or I've done it twice and I'm, I'm still, you know, okay. But at least I got that exam because we have to do a lot, you know, to make sure that we're around for our families and our kids and our partners and things like that. So I just wanted to share that with you all. And again, if you can let me know how this episode went for you, what you thought of it, and um, also give it a rating. I would greatly appreciate that. And again, all the love in the world for you all that have been diagnosed or have a loved one that's been diagnosed or maybe even have lost a loved one. Until next time, just keep your head up, keep your prayers stronger than ever. And until next time, blessings. Blessings.